Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Good morning and happy Kwanzaa. Again, mamas and babas, sisters and brothers. We're continuing our Kwanzaa time observance here on M.I.P. with our very special and honored guest. We're so blessed to have him with us. Because of him, we have Kwanzaa to begin with. Of course, he's the professor and chair of the Department of Africana Studies, Cal State University, Long Beach, chair of the organization US and the National Association of Kawaida Organizations. And he, of course, is the creator of Kwanzaa and then Guza Saba and the author of the definitive book, Kwanzaa, A Celebration of Family and Community and culture. He joins us again and we greet him as we all should greet one another every day this week with the question, what's the news? Habaragani, Dr. Maulana Karinga. Ujamaa, Reverend Masamila. Habaragani, and here is our Kwanzaa to all of us. The fourth principle of Kwanzaa is Ujamaa, cooperative economic. And the text tells us and urges us to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other business and to profit from them together. This is a compelling call to practice the principle of shared work and shared wealth in the world. It begins with a call to build and maintain economic institutions and by extension, engage economic practices that address our needs and aspirations and represent our best values. And certainly the central values here are cooperation for good and the collective sharing of that good. It teaches us that we are family. And the motto which Kwanzaa raises and then Guzo Saba teaches is the family and community harvest. To harvest the good, we plan and then plant the promising fields of our lives and future together. We cultivate them together with loving care. We harvest them together 
with hope and anticipation of abundance. And we joyfully share the good we have created together and consciously set aside seeds of good for the future. Look at the model for Kwanzaa, the harvest celebration, the first fruits. We plant and plant the fields together, right? We cultivate them with love and care together. We harvest them, right? And we joyfully share them. And we also conscientiously set aside good for the future. What a beautiful concept, right? But it's a shared good, shared work and shared wealth. Moreover, the principle of Ujamaa speaks to a sense of kinship that we as Africans must feel for each other and the world, right? We must be at one with the world, at one in the world, not in opposition to the world, either to other people or to the environment. We seek peace, a just peace. We seek a world in which people are secure in their own culture, in their own lives, right? The root word of the Ujamaa of Ujama is Jamaa, which means family. Thus, this principle urges us to engage in economic practices which recognizes and respects our kinship with other humans and the world. It thus opposes activities which exploits and oppress others and damages the world. Furthermore, as a cooperative pursuit of common good, Ujamaa is profoundly concerned with an egalitarian distribution of wealth and good in the world and with care for the poor and the vulnerable. Indeed, the Husea says that we must measure our moral quality. Any society must measure its moral quality by how it treats its most vulnerable. In fact, the Husea says also, we are given wealth so we can do good with it. And the Odu Ifa, sacred text, teaches us that anyone who cultivates a disposition for doing good, especially for the needy, this person in particular will never lack happiness. Thus, the ethical understanding of our traditional text and the awesome insight of our ancestors urges us beyond the crass consumerism of the marketplace, the isolated vulgar individualism and the market-driven madness of acquisitiveness, posing as a substitute for actual and longful freedom. And it encourages us instead by these teachings that we are to find meaning in our lives by searching after ma'at, searching after that which is good for the world and all the people in it, speaking truth and doing justice, opposing injustice, caring for the vulnerable and being responsible to and responsible for others in the world. And therefore the sacred text says that we are the Husea, sacred text of ancient Egypt, our ancestors, who says that we must be a father for the, I mean, that we must give food to the hungry, water to the thirsty, clothes to the naked, and a boat to those without them. That we should be a father for the orphan, a mother for the timid, a refuge for the poor, a raft for the drowning, and a ladder for those trapped in a pit of despair. That we should, in fact, be a shade for the orphan and a helper for the widow, and one who speaks for the wretched, a sister unfortunate, and aids the oppressed by their excellent and liberating deed. This is our heritage. We do ourselves honor by embracing it and taking it. For this is good not only for us in our time, 
This is good not only to honor our ancestors, but it is good for us and our children and generations that come after us. In fact, the text says by Hira, the priest Hira, I did all these good things for the vulnerable and for my city and for my country because, quote, my reward for this is being remembered by my virtue. That is to say, for the good I've done. And another says, I did it because I knew it would be a storehouse for future generations. Let us then all, in a Ujima fashion, store up the good, not only in honor of our ancestors and for our own needs, but also to ensure a good future for all the generations that come after us. You're listening to the, the best, best of the best of the best, best, of, the best, best of MIP. Yeah, with honors. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend joining us on Make It Plain today is none other than the president of the National Urban League. Uh, we all know the great work the Urban League has done. Since I was a kid, though, I always look forward uh, to the state of Black America report. I thought that was just one of the most powerful documents. It was almost like a Bible uh, to our community. And it was always, and whenever I would give speeches, I would use that as a primary point of reference. What better reference is there? So there's a new State of Black America report out. And folks, we are just days away from the anniversary of the March on Washington. He'll be joining us there. So we're going to talk about all of that with the president of the National Urban League, Mark Morial. My brother, how are you, man? Hey, my brother. Good to be with you, Mark. Uh, thank you for uh, what you do and congratulations on a distinguished career, uh, speaking the truth and giving us a chance to really have a genuine conversation. Thank you, brother. Well, and, and thank you also for all you do and thank you for our years of, of friendship. Um, so, Mark, I guess this state of Black America is, is unique because we're smack in the middle of a pandemic. Never quite had a state of black America like that under those circumstances before, have we? Hey, and we like to look at it uh, as uh, the pandemic unmasking the historic disparities that have long existed. But I also like to think of it as three crises intertwined. We've got a health crisis, which is what COVID is. Uh, a deep health crisis unlike any we've seen in this country for at least a hundred years. We have a resulting economic crisis where the economy is in a, in a semi-comatose state with uh, millions of people who are unemployed, with businesses who are closing, uh, with uh, travel uh, having ground to a halt. And then we have the racial justice crisis, which, you know, once again, with this incident in Kenosha, Wisconsin, you know, I was gut-wrenched to see that young man who now I understand is paralyzed uh, for life. And if you saw the video, it was plain and stark that this was an inappropriate use of force. This was a criminal act by a man in a uniform against a man who did not deserve to be shot. So all of these three uh, take front and center 
in the 2020 State of Black America report. Our stats, honestly, were compiled before COVID, but they still reveal a significant disparity between black people and white people and a significant disparity between Latinx people and white people in America. The stats have always fascinated me. I, I want to go there first. And of course, they were taken before COVID. Um, you know, we always look to the state of black America to let us know um, how many cents on the dollar African-Americans make in comparison to whites, the poverty rates and all that. Give us, give us a snapshot. Let me give you a couple of numbers so we don't get bogged down. So the median income for a black family in America is probably in the low 40,000s. The median income for a white family is probably in the low to mid 70,000s. So that's a gap of some $30,000. Uh, when it comes to wealth, that means the property you own, the savings you have, the stock you own. The average white family has 10 times as much wealth as the average black family. Uh, these economic disparities are quite, quite stark. Uh, of the 2.5 million uh, African-American-owned businesses in the country, 90% of them, which is roughly maybe about 2 million, 2.2 million, have one employee, and that's the owner or the stockholder or the shareholder. So very small, but yet 2.5 million black small businesses in the country. So those are some numbers that might be in, of interest to people. Now, in COVID, of the 100 and is today's number 70,000 who've died, the best numbers suggest that 40% are African-American. So that means that you're looking at, you know, 70,000 black people who have died, but we've got to underscore that the majority of the deaths and the majority of the cases remain uh, amongst white Americans, but a disparity and a disproportionate number of black and brown and American Indian, Native American. So those numbers, so we take all these numbers and we have an index. And the index shows that the status of blacks is 73.8% that of whites. And that's the way the index operates. Where are we on this sort of benchmark against white Americans. And so these are averages. And, you know, our community is a community where some are doing better and some are doing worse. Uh, but when you look at the averages, that's indeed where they are. Now, what's, 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 what's most important, Mark, about the numbers is they haven't changed much in 16 years. They haven't changed much since the century, the 21st century, if you will, began. And some things have improved. Healthcare improves, but then economics goes down. Education improves a little bit, and then social justice goes down. So on an overall basis, the change has been very, very little. Inside of it, there have been changes. And the final thing I'll say about it, think of the analogy of a caboose. A caboose is on a train. When the train moves, the caboose moves. When the train moves fast, the caboose moves fast. The train slows down, the caboose slows down. But the caboose is always what? Last on the train. Black folks are a lot like the caboose on the American train. We're riding in the back 
And when the economy speeds up, uh, the unemployment rate in black America goes down, but the disparity doesn't change. You, you mentioned the businesses as well. Um, I think we also know that, that many businesses, uh, black businesses, uh, did not get the financial assistance that white businesses got during COVID as well. So I, we can probably hypothesize that many of those um, one or two person operations, you know, may be suffering and, and, and may be going out of business as a result. Even if you got the PPP loan, the PPP loan, PPP loan was only designed to assist you for a few months, not on an ongoing basis, but PPP Paycheck Protection Program was a, a bit of a fiasco in that it did not put, uh, we argued and in the second COVID bill, there was a bit of a carve out, but we wanted a carve out. I argued for a carve out for black businesses, absent that a carve out for businesses with less than five employees. So the opportunity for the smaller businesses to be able to participate, but it was designed to benefit those businesses that had a banking relationship because the money was channeled through the banking system. Now, on the second round, we pushed, we shoved. Charles Schumer was helpful. Uh, Black caucus leaders were helpful. Maxine Waters and Karen Bass, to name a few, were extremely helpful. We got a carve out for Black depository institutions or Black banks and Black community lending uh, agencies. And we still don't have the best numbers on how that carve out actually benefited black businesses. But all in all, the program was, was designed with significant flaws. That's why in any new COVID bill, we want a specific intentional carve out uh, for black businesses. I mean, it is the only way, and black and Hispanic businesses tend to be in the same uh, basket or even a focus more on smaller businesses less than five employees is what, what we need. And so I hope we people have learned a lesson. That bill was put together uh, by the administration without any input from those that advocate for black businesses. The U.S. Chain, Black Chamber, the National Urban League, uh, the Black Economic Alliance, the NAACP, all of us who work in this space and advocate uh, we were not consulted at the beginning on the design of the program. Um, in terms of wealth, um, and you and I were talking just before we started this interview about H.R. Uh, 40, and I know you and the Urban League are big supporters. Um, we know that um, when we talk about forms of reparations, we aren't just talking about individual checks. In fact, if everybody got a check today for a couple thousand dollars mark in this economy during COVID, it would just go right back out into the white economy like that. Wealth it is not the measurement of wealth in this country and our lack thereof measurable when it comes to what the white middle class got that we didn't get homestead act, FHA, GI bill and all of that. And then home ownership ultimately. Isn't that pretty much where wealth is and has been in America? In, in America, you're, you're so right. It is 
in land ownership, home ownership, building ownership, uh, farm ownership, uh, lot ownership, investment properties. And here's an important number. In America, two thirds of wealth comes from intergenerational transfers. So mm. wealth is not necessarily built in a single generation. Let me give you an example of an intergenerational transfer that we might not, might not understand. So an intergenerational transfer is also when a parent can say to their child, go to college, we'll pay the tuition, you don't have to borrow. Mm -hmm. Or where a parent says, you now have a college degree, I will pay the down payment on your first home. Yeah. to help you get started. So right there, if you're 20, let's say 25 years old, and you've got a college degree from one of the best universities in America, and your cohort who happens to be black has the same degree, but $200,000 in student loans. Uh, you could be at the same job making the same money and your white cohort's wealth accumulation ability is already 20 years ahead because of where they start. So we have to understand that making college more affordable uh, is something that would assist in our ability to create wealth. Uh, home ownership. So home ownership, when you have these high down payment requirements, and uh, you know you you don't have the money you say well i could pay the mortgage i just can't come up on a two hundred fifty thousand dollar home i can't come up with twenty five thirty five thousand to buy it so maybe i've got to go get me an fha loan or a different kind of loan that might have insurance requirements so other types of things we have to focus like a laser on building home ownership and we have to focus like a laser on building black earnings, income, what people make. Uh, we need a comprehensive living wage. And we have to deal with the fact that the last 30 to 40 years, uh, most people's wages, earnings, have not kept pace with inflation. So what we have now is people who work every day, people that have good jobs, people who are, but they're still on the edge of poverty they still can't make it. So the phenomenon of today is working poor, working right. people on the edge. And so I, uh, you know, I get fired up and beside myself when people seek to paint unemployment as meaning unemployed people who don't want to work, mm -hmm. right? That they want to caricature it, they want to stereotype it. So State of Black America report, you know, we're squarely want to put a, a, a spotlight in a circle around health equity, economic equity, and racial justice equity, particularly in policing and the criminal justice system. Trump keeps saying, Mark, what have you got to lose? Tell us. what We have everything to lose. Well, the, the Trump administration, so I'd like to, you know, step back and say, let's look at a few things. Number one, you've got the least diverse cabinet in modern American history. You've got the least diverse White House staff in modern American history. 
you've got uh, a uh, judicial appointments. Think about that. Least diverse with respect to not only blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and women. I think ninety percent have been white men. So you just start there with the with the appointments that the president has made, and then you go to the policies. And it was interesting that the president has taken all this credit for the economy. You know, you inherited a great economy. No president inherited a better economy uh, than. Donald Trump and George W. Bush. That's right. George That's right. W. Bush inherited a great economy from Bill Clinton and a relatively balanced budget. And eight years later, we had been through a deep recession and we were in significant debt. Donald Trump, Barack Obama inherited a broken economy, high unemployment, a great recession. He turned it around, he fixed it, he hands the reins to Donald Trump and we're creating $200,000 jobs a month and that just continued under the Trump administration. What I say to people is Donald Trump wants to own the low unemployment of a year ago. He's got to own the high unemployment of now. You can't pick, I'm, I own the sunshine, but I, own the, I don't own the storm. You're responsible for everything that happens on your watch. Yeah. Um, social justice, of course. Um, here we are, August 28th. August 28, 1955, Emmett Till. And in the same week, we have a Jacob Blake. We just can't seem to get away from it, Mark. And you mentioned him being paralyzed. Clearly, from the number of shots that were fired, that was not the intention. Uh, so The intent you know, was to kill. The intent was to kill. So um, I'm sure they're going to be, as tragic as this is, um, we will have Jacob at some point as a living oral testimony as to experience. And that's something as to his experience. And that's something no one ever wants to leave around. Yeah, to he just can tell us what happened. Yeah. We, every, so many of these have been, have led to deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does this, this Friday mean to you? Obviously the urban league, one of the legacy organizations, one of the organizations at um, the first uh, great march on Washington. And why is it important? You know, the, for, for our generation, the civil rights movement, my parents were active in the civil rights movement. It's the generation of our parents and, and our grandparents. The civil rights movement changed the trajectory of the nation in profound ways. And the high point of the 1960s was the March on Washington because it represented this mass mobilization unheard of in modern American history, a peaceful mobilization and a defining piece of oratory by Dr. King, which was the most important speech given in the history of this nation. So I get goosebumps, I get chills to just think that we have an opportunity today to stand on their shoulders and to try to face the nation to finally honor the check that they've given us that was marked non-sufficient funds. And so I affirm the changes and the transformation 
Uh, but uh, I also believe it's a time when we've got to take stock of, of the reality that we have begun to lose ground, that the nation has begun to retrench on so many issues. We, uh, the killings uh, of unarmed black men remind us of this. The gun violence reminds of us of this. The coarse rhetoric and the failure to enforce civil rights laws by the Justice Department reminds us of this. Uh, so it's it's a special time, and, and I feel very honored. I was there, and part of the effort that we organized in 2013, you were there, the 50th anniversary. So this coming uh, at a time of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and a refreshed and renewed and re-energized civil rights movement, uh, I think it makes this, this, this gathering, this coming together on Friday very special. Yeah, no question about it. Um, uh, lastly, it's always good when we can talk about, well, the other thing that's setting us back is voter suppression, Mark. Um, and you have been quite articulate uh, on the way in which our people are targeted on social media for voter suppression and the way Russia is continuing to target our people. Um, you have been as outspoken as I have um, on that. Uh, add that to the mail. Um, seems like we're in trouble, man. We, um, we, we are yeah. under attack uh, in ways unforeseen. Uh, voter ID laws, cut back on early voting, voter intimidation at the polling places. We've seen those movies before. We've not seen the movie of interference with the post office. The effort to undermine the very delivery system for the ballot. Uh, until 2016, we've not seen a naked, uh, unapologetic, diabolical effort by a foreign power uh, to mask itself as members of our community and to encourage us not to vote. These schemes and these uh, uh, efforts by these players is as, as, as low and as despicable as anything I've ever seen. We must push back, Mark. We must push back. And we must let our community know that you've got to beware of things that traffic on the internet. Everybody on the internet is not who they say they are. Everybody on the internet posing as an activist is not a real activist. And we have to continue to call it out because Russia is at it again, and they use all kind of diabolical schemes. Uh, they are masters at creating, recruiting, and utilizing front groups. They're masters at hitching their wagon onto uh, conspiracy theories and retweeting it and giving it power through echo chambering on the internet. They're masters at it. They've been doing that in the Eastern Bloc for 70 to 80 years. It's what they did to control the old Soviet client states. Uh, and, and, and we're seeing it now play out brazen efforts to manipulate the elections process. Yeah, and we've got to be prepared. Folks, one way to get prepared and stay prepared is to keep up with the National Urban League, NUL.org. Go there and check out the state of Black America. Uh, keep up with what the Urban League is doing. And again, um, the Urban League, we've really got uh, just a couple of organizations that have legacy infrastructure. That is 
boots on the ground in many of our local cities and states. One of the, is the NAACP, one is the Urban League. So there are many ways to get involved. Again, folks, we will not tweet our way to freedom. Social media is good for what it's good for, but it's not going to happen on Twitter. We've got to be organized right where we are. So folks, check out your local Urban League and also go to nul.org. Mark Morial. Thank you, Mark Thompson. Thank you so much. And again, thanks for the shout out for all my Urban League colleagues, frontline soldiers all across the nation who are doing the great work every single day. Thank you for what you're doing. I'll see you at the march. See you on Friday. Thank you, man. All right, man. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.